As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Uh, very happy to be joined uh, by uh, a player that honestly might be one of the nicest I've ever covered. And I got to cover him twice. Uh, definitely one of my favorite players uh, that I covered back in the day, way back in the early 2000s with the Florida Panthers, Val Bure, coming from his home in Los Angeles. How are you doing, Val? I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, it's nice of you to say that, uh, you know, I'm the one, one of the nicest guys that you deal with. Uh, you know, always, always, you know, I met you, I think, the first time in Florida, right? Um, yep. And... Uh, I, we we always got along, and you know you're you're give you got to give you props. You always were professional and uh, honest, and uh, it's always nice to work uh, with with uh, people like you. Well, I, I appreciate it, Val. And you know it is funny. I mean, I I still remember that one of my uh, f- fondest memories of uh, as a beat writer, and I just found it was an article that I wrote you and on your on you and your wife Candace and your whole family. Um, back in 2003, and I still remember this is one of the biggest articles I think I've ever I ever wrote for the Sun Sentinel. And I, it's funny the memories you have back on this stuff. Like I remember sitting in the Uniondale Long Island Marriott, writing this story, and just being so nervous that it would be absolutely perfect because it, you let us into your home. We did a photo shoot with at the time your young kids. I think Max was 11 months old, Lev was two years old, Natasha was four. Um, and, and it's just amazing how long ago that was when you, uh, see how old your kids are now and how, uh, how still your wife is still very involved, obviously, uh, acting, uh, um, in all her work. Yeah. I, you know, <clears throat> I, 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 you sort of, sort of remember that interview and then, like you said, uh, uh, you know, you, you just sent me the article, uh, this morning, but, um, we, we personally loved Florida, it, you know, we did from the minute that we got there, our organization was, uh exceptional obviously super exciting to play with my brother but uh um we 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 had a great times in in florida i remember doing this interview when we just uh, i think we got there about six months ago since uh when we did this interview because max was born in florida and uh we just you know from the weather to everything we had the most amazing time there well, yeah, the, the two loudest times that I could ever hear that arena was one, whenever your your brother scored, <laughs> he had two years in a row where he scored 58 and 59 goals. But the other loudest time that I ever remember that arena was the day you were traded. It was at the 2001 draft. Um, the, the Florida Panthers acquired uh, uh, Val Bure for Rob Niedemar and Jason Weimer, the 
Panthers were hosting the draft and the crowd just went absolutely crazy because the year before you played in the All-Star game with your brother in Toronto. You were on the same line with your brother and Victor Kozlov and everybody just always would talk about how amazing it would be if the Bure brothers could be reunited in Florida. And next thing you know, at the 2001 draft with it in Florida, the Florida Panthers acquire you. Well, what if, I mean, I remember that day, uh, just like it was yesterday where we're here in LA. Um, I was not expected to get traded or anything. I was planning to go back to uh, Calgary and uh, I received a phone call and uh, told my wife that we got traded and to Florida. I remember we both started screaming. We were so excited uh, uh, for many reasons, uh, obviously to be playing with my brother to live with them and uh, hang out was uh, one of you know my, my best uh, memories and just to be able to go to a great organization um i don't know if you remember but that it, it right when the training camp start um it was a uh, 9-11 happened and mm-hmm. uh, so when 9-11 happened we could fly and get there uh in time for a training camp and we end up uh, renting a huge tour bus and it, it was just so bizarre so I took a trip from Los Angeles uh, to uh, Fort Lauderdale um, on a t- huge tour bus as a family so uh, we got there we were so excited and um, one of the things that I, I guess go, growing up uh, with my brother three years apart we really never got the chance to play together and uh, one of the first times we played uh, in Olympic Games in 98 in Nagano and uh, it, it was just an amazing because three years growing up was a big difference in, in age um, he was hanging out with one crowd I'm with another we're always traveling and uh, when we spent the two weeks in uh, Nagano we really had an, an amazing time bonding and it's just a natural chemistry between him and I we always got along well and uh, then in 2001 when we got traded I, I I really couldn't uh, ask for a better opportunity for me to go and spend time with my family, but also play hockey and watch one of the greatest scores in the history of NHL, most pure, most you know pure score. I grew up with him, but watch him not only during the games but during the practice, and it's just it's just a fun time to be around a person like that. It's funny, I just got a text from uh, one of your former line mates. He's currently the general manager of the Minnesota Wild, uh, Bill Guerin, and he wanted Billy. me to send my best to you. Said that he was still that you're still one of the best line mates that he's ever played with. Oh, that's that's very kind. I, I mean, that's that's the thing too. It's like I remember uh, playing uh, uh, in in Dallas, right? I played with him, and uh, it was just. The team we had there, I don't know, Mike, if you remember, it was stacked. <laughs> it was so stacked, and I don't think I ever played in a better team going into the playoffs. And uh, it was just so much fun to play with all of those guys, and you know, um, Mike Madano and all of those guys. So it, it, it was really amazing. But uh, I see, I see Billy's progress and how he's becoming a general manager I'm, I'm super proud and uh, if you talk to him make sure you say hi to him i will definitely do that i'm going to talk to him right after the show uh this is uh we're talking to val Burry. this is michael russo you're listening to straight from the source to subscribe to the athletic please subscribe for 40 percent off at theathletic.com slash straight from the source um val uh, you know it was, it was interesting i mean you loved minnesota uh, florida so much that the panthers actually um traded you for mike van ryan but we all knew at the time of the trade that you were going to come back there in that offseason. It was just one of those things where the Panthers at that year, was, uh, they, were, they were in a rebuild situation. And I think Rick Dudley really valued you and, and thought he could get a really quality asset in Van Ryan, who's now currently an assistant coach with the St. Louis Blues. Um, but you knew all along that you were coming back to Florida, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it was very interesting uh, because I got, when I got traded um, – Obviously, it was really strange in the beginning. I don't know if you remember, but it's like my brother got traded. Then this organization was going in a different direction because in the beginning, I remember my brother was talking to uh, the ownership group and they want to uh, 
build around my brother and build around me as well uh, some amazing team. And that's when uh, uh, we went and we got Sandis Ozelinch and a couple other players. And then the uh, organization took a different turn and they're like, no, we, now we decide to rebuild. And it, it kind of surprised us because we were just talking to ownership group and they were, you know, want to win and all of a sudden they changed the direction. So um, it was extremely sad for me to see my brother go and then, you know, I, I knew what they were doing when they uh, traded me and, uh, you know, my knee was not at the best condition, but I still went and uh, tr tried to play as, as, as good as I can. But uh, it was fantastic opportunity for me uh, to go into and play in a playoff just a little bit and then see the different atmosphere. So it really helped me. I, I think it, I, I truly believe it helped me in my career. We're talking with Val Bure, and, um, and it was an interesting time in your life too, Val. And, and I want to talk to you also about a lot of your uh, different things. I want to talk to you about your family. I want to talk to you about, um, obviously, fa uh, Bure Family Wines, which is uh, still one of my favorite wines. I, I still, in my wine fridge, have a 2009 uh, Bure 13 and a 2006 Majesty, believe it or not. My gosh, uh, you so need to I drink them. It. Why are they sitting <laughs> in <know>. your fridge? <laughs> I know. It's funny because it's... Um, that year that I went to Napa the first time, and again, we'll talk about this later, but uh, you were kind of, this is when you were at your old property when I think it was, uh, what was the name of your first place that you had? Uh, Chateau Boswell. Uh, yeah, but Chateau Boswell. And I went there and I, I picked that up and I still, it's like one of those trophies I just haven't, haven't uh, opened yet. Um, and yet I've gotten a lot of your wine actually at your house uh, the last couple, couple times that I've been there and I've drank those. So. <laughs> oh, good, good. But, um, well, there's not, uh, so to, to, to be honest, there's not too many two, 2006 or 2009 left uh, even in my cellar. So you're, I mean, it's, it's, it's great that you have them. Yep, collector's items. Um, I also have that 2016 Bure Estate, which I was reading is also not uh, not heavily available as well yeah they, they go by quick um you know we, we only produce uh as you know just all together under a thousand cases and uh they, they go fairly quick we're you know allow people to buy on a mailing list so uh we don't distribute wines and uh with you know 150 to 200 cases of one wine made in the world it, it go it goes quick we we've been fortunate enough uh with our you know clientele and uh everything it's a it you know it's a hard business to be in but if you produce you know the best quality in the world it it sure does help you to succeed in that business make sure you go to uh, Beret family wines to sign up for that mailing list and you can uh you can purchase uh uh, his wines and we'll talk a little bit more about that as well but um I did want to ask you about 2001 I mean it was an interesting time as you mentioned um, you know you, you it was 9/11 you're just acquired uh, traded to the Florida Panthers but just the, also that past winter you were, became an American citizen uh, you went to uh, soon right after you went to Russia for the first time since you left um, what was that time totally like I mean you're building a young family at that time everything uh, it was, you know, I, I think it was new for everybody. We just, I, I remember 9-11 happening and I remember it, watching it on TV and kind of almost not believing in my eyes what's, what's happening. And um, as we're talking now, we all were wondering what is a new no normal is going to be. And uh, the things that we do now because of 9-11 became such a big part of our life and it's normal procedure going through, you know, metal detectors and screening and all of that stuff. And I think um, <laughs> to reflect on what's going on now with the coronavirus is the same thing. What What is going to be a new normal for us? Is everybody's going to wear a mask or do we have to distance ourselves and all of that stuff? Um, you know, it's I, I don't think the world has been the same since 9-11 at least in my eyes um <clears throat> and i think it's going to be the same thing with the coronavirus but um growing up with you know in in russia and as 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 you know we're we, we always they in russia they always protect you and they don't show you that much um on tv where here it's it's pretty wide open and you see exactly what's going on so um 
when I moved here in the 91, it was a very interesting contrast in the sense of um, how open the people and how they uh, just going about the daily life. And you, you wound up in Los Angeles as a young as a young boy in 91. I mean, you came with your dad and your brother, right? Because your brother was going to start his hockey career. Yeah, we, we flew uh, from uh, uh, Moscow to uh, Los Angeles. And at the time, I was 17 and my brother is 20. So he was just waiting to get his papers done. And uh, then he signed a contract and went to play with Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, I had nowhere to go. I didn't have a place to play. So at the time, my um, uh, my brother's agent, Ron Salser, was a great friend with uh, Bobby Brett, who owns, uh, up to this day, he owns uh, Spokane Chiefs. And uh, he called him up and said, in the Western Hockey League, and then, and then he said, hey, I have a 17-year-old Russian player. I don't know how good he is, but would you like to take him? So Bobby tells me that story, you know, even today. And he's like, well, is he good? And he goes, well, apparently, I don't know. His brother's going and playing in the National Hockey League. And he, it's, that's his younger brother. And he's like, well, okay, well, you know, send him over. So it took me about... Uh, a month to do my paperwork and uh, we went to Spokane and that I played there for two and a half years and up um, becoming a great friend with Bobby Brett and his family I still talk to him on a uh, weekly basis he's one of the you know kindest and most enthusiastic uh, owner that I ever met and very successful uh, his brother played George Brett played in the Major League for many years, as you guys probably know him or heard of him. And uh, I had a most amazing time growing up. It was very difficult, uh, quite honestly, because, you know, when I came in 91, I didn't speak any English. And uh, I ended up being thrown in Spokane, Washington, to live with American family. So, you know, looking back then, there's no computers, there's no cell phones uh, i'd be able to talk to my mom maybe once a week uh for five to ten minutes because it was very expensive so uh first couple of years was very lonely and difficult uh, but uh, we knew and i know deep inside you know united states that's where we want to end up we want to live here we want to so i need to learn language and you know become an american and it is amazing. I mean, you um, first of all, you had an incredible career in Spokane. Uh, I, and I learned this just about a month ago. The Wild signed um, Adam Beckman, their top, one of their top prospects that plays for the um, for the for the Spokane Chiefs. So I went back and did research on that organization. And Val still owns the franchise record for 68 goals. Uh, in a single season, 147 points. The year that you were, uh, the year later, your final year, you had 40 goals and 102 points. Um, so obviously, an incredible year there. Then you go to Montreal, uh, uh, Val, and th that's where you met Candace, right? Uh, I met her in LA. So um, we, you know, we spend all of our summers, my brother and I, in LA. So off season, we train here. Uh, the weather's fantastic, and you know, we run on the beach, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's a plenty of uh, NHL guys that come and you know practice, and so that's it's a big, you know, uh, kind of a not the playground, but it's it's you know all the NHL guys gather around and we have a good scrimmage. So we would spend the time here in LA, and uh, one of the guys that would come out and skate with us was Dave Coulier, who's a uh, on Candace's show, and there's a couple other celebrities come and skate with us as well. And uh, you know we just start talking, and he goes, hey, you know Val, why don't you come out and um, watch our show taping? And uh, you know. It's, I think it was either on Thursday or Fridays they taped. And I'm going, oh, Dave, like we would love to, but you know, we have to train. So we end up never making it. And then um, at the end of the summer, Luke Robitaille had a charity hockey game. And uh, Dave Coulier was playing and he invited um, girls. He invited Candace and Lori Lachlan. And uh, they, they came in and after. Um, the game, he brought them back down to the dress room and introduced us. And that's pretty much was it. We exchanged the phones and next day we went out for date for lunch and the, you know, 
sparks flew and that was it 24 years later or 26 now uh with three kids we're still working at it <laughs> and it, it is amazing Val. like uh, like i'm reading this story that i wrote on you uh that i mentioned in, in 2003 and I, I still remember you allowing me into your your home in plantation florida to do this story and um you know which one i still uh totally appreciate um but you have a quote in there that says um that when you and pavel used to come back uh from your workouts in 1991 you'd come home in the after the morning you'd sleep the rest of the day you wake up at around five uh at five o'clock for your workout and marriage with children was on at four and full house was on at 4 30 and you said that you drink tea and have a snack and watch those two shows uh you could not have imagined that three years later you would be you know hanging out with dj tanner <laughs> i know that, that that was that was a funny part yeah for it's 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 so true i mean you're exactly right where you know we had a two practices a day one you know 10 to 12 and another one is you know whatever the five to seven and uh as we're waking up we're watching those two shows and we we love those shows that you know who who didn't marry with the children is epic show and uh obviously you know full house is legendary and uh, to be able that and that's the fun part about la uh, you know, when Dave comes and skates with us or um, somebody else from show business or, you know, uh, some kind of a celebrity skated with us, it, it's it's a fun part, a fun thing to um, to interact. And then when he brought girls down to meet us, it was just like, oh, my gosh, I watched you on TV. Um, and I also watched in, in another show uh the growing pains but it's it's you know so yeah. i i start talking to candace and candace is just like yeah blah 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 well i have a brother he's he's an actor too and i'm like oh I'm not for sure and i'm like what what show is he on and she's like growing pains and i'm like ah you know i well, the only two shows that i knew was a uh, you know full house and uh, married with the children so then she showed me and i'm like oh my gosh yeah, of course, I, I've seen Kirk before. So it's it's a small world, but, uh, you know, like you said, to be able to watch somebody on TV and then get, get in, introduced to her. And, and, of course, you know, when, when you get introduced, I mean, the fun part about meeting Candace, and I think why we got along so well is uh, she was very mature for her age. Uh, she was 18 years old at the time, but she, she's been working since she's been six years old. So she's always been around adults and same as me, you know, in, in, a, in a hockey world, you have to grow up quick. You really do. You have to have a maturity level to be able to play and, you know, to survive in, at that level. So uh, we had it off and we had the same mentality. So it, it was nice to be able to bounce ideas or just to hang out and somebody that can really understand you. And again, uh, uh, Candace's brother is Kirk Cameron, uh, played Michael Seaver on 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 um, on Growing Pains. Let, Val, did you, like again? You're you're just barely here, as you said. You knew very little English at the time. I mean, how much did watching TV shows like that almost help teach you English? Well, you know, looking back is is, is tremendous because uh, uh, you know I learned at school English as my uh, second language, but. It, it is as everybody knows you don't learn that much uh, you know I'm the language so when I came uh, here uh, the Russian people that been here for a long time they said they do you want to hear the tip on how to learn quick and I said sure they said well you got to watch TV and listen to the music and I said well great I'm like music yeah, of course I'm listening uh, but watching TV, I'm like, I'm watching, but I can't understand anything. They speak so fast and it's just like nothing. And they said, no, be patient. You just keep watching it, watching it. And then one word and another word. And you know, this, the situation with, uh, with, uh, full, full house or with, uh, Mayor with the children, it's very easy shows and you kind of, you know, understanding the concept or what are they doing and how do they do it. So it really easier for me was to be able to pick up and learn words rather than say watching the news, which is they also told me to do. And, uh, you know, I was uh, very interested uh, of watching those shows. Plus, hey, don't get me wrong. There, there's a, you know, nice looking girl. So 
Um, I'm watching and looking at the great show, plus good-looking girls, and I'm learning English. I, I think it's only, uh, you know, plus and plus. <laughs> and that, uh, in that story, Candace said that you were very Californiaized uh, after meeting her. Uh, so that's pretty funny. Um, again, you're listening to Straight from the Source um, with Michael Russo again to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Articles galore. But we also have a vast podcast network. And uh, this week, Brian McClellan, the general manager of the Washington Capitals, who lives here in Minnesota. He's on with uh, Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun on Two Man Advantage. Um, and also... Uh, one of Pavel Bure's uh, best buddies, uh, former Canuck Gino Ojik, is on Jeff Patterson and Thomas Drant's uh, podcast, Bandcast. And Pavel was actually coincidentally a, a guest on that podcast a couple of weeks ago. And uh, former Wild Brent Burns is on the full 60 with Craig Custance this week as well. How is Pavel doing, by the way? Pavel's doing good. Uh, he's doing very well. I uh, just talked to him about uh, three, four days ago. They uh in a quarantine right now as well. So he's got three little kids at home and uh, he's just you know b b before that of course he was uh I i'm sure you're aware he's in charge of uh you know old timers league or uh i don't even know exactly what its name but it's 45 and older uh they get together and they play and they travel which is great news for me i just turned 45 so i'll be able to go and join him and play in this um but uh, he's very busy with kids with family and everything that he does uh, around you know consulting with the russian hockey federation and everything so he's he's very involved in, in uh, hockey and uh, like i said uh, he loves spending time with his kids and his family and so last time when i talked to him i, I literally caught him uh, in the middle of a workout or something that he was doing with the kids uh it, it was funny it brought me a lot of memories i remember doing this with my kids so um He's, uh, you know, spending a lot of time uh, playing with with a president and uh, with Mr. Putin. And it's just just a lot of interesting things going on in his life. He was always a fascinating guy to cover. I mean, he, his story is when he... <laughs> I would say so, yeah. I don't, like... It's funny. I don't know how true it is, but he once told me when when he was playing for the Panthers that like they that like Putin was staying at his condo in South Beach at the time, and I'm like, what? Well, <laughs> can I do a story on this. So. Well, I, the story that I can I can tell you um, is uh, right before 2002 Olympics. Um, it was, uh, I think it was two, uh, 2001, it's, that it was December or something like this. He, out of nowhere, he goes, hey, listen, do you want to uh, fly with me tomorrow to Washington to meet Mr. Putin? And I'm like, huh? And he's like, yeah, he's, he's coming to U.S. and uh, he wants to have a meeting with us. And I go, well, yeah. So we literally practice, jumped on the plane, flew to Washington, D.C., and my brother, me, and Fetisov met for about five minutes. And then after that five minutes meeting, he looks at us and he's in the Russian embassy. Uh, and uh, he goes, hey, guys, do you guys have uh, plans? Do you guys want to have a dinner with me? And we look at each other like, Mr. President, if we had plans, we're going to cancel them. There's, yeah, we have no plans, and uh, we end up uh, going to um, Palm's Steakhouse in Washington D.C. and had a dinner with him for two and a half hours. And uh, literally after dinner is over, I mean, we said goodbye to him, and we flew out uh, right away. Landed probably around. Uh, two or three in the morning and then uh, we had a practice next uh, same morning and I waking up I remember sitting in the uh, either office or in a trainer's room watching the TV and all of a sudden I see Mr. Putin uh, meeting with uh, President Bush and I'm like oh my gosh did I really had a dinner with him yesterday and all of a sudden he's meeting it was incredible night it, and it's something I will never forget uh, meeting uh, our president a Russian president yeah, Pavel had an interesting, like, his career, like, I remember once he shows up um, at a morning skate in Phoenix. This is the year before you got there. And I don't know if he was kidding or not, but he was like, um, uh, he's, he, like, kind of looked tired, all this. I'm like, where were you? And he goes, Vegas. 
He goes, just landed. <laughs> and that night, this is a morning skate. That night he gets a hat trick. And um, another time I remember with Pavel, too, is that we're on Long Island. He gets a hat trick against the Islanders, and then he took, like, half the team to, like, Saturday Night Live to meet Dave Matthews. So... Well, listen. You know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell all the stories for Pavel. I think you're gonna have to do a show with him because I can't tell the stories for him. But uh, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I'm I'm watching a show, the Michael Jordan show. Yep. And it's 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 I I personally loving it, and people never get experience it on what's going on behind the scenes. But that's that's you know that's the same thing is going on in NHL life, and you know um, people just don't understand and what professional athletes go through and how they handle themselves because they only see you know a perfect side or whatever they want to mm -hmm. see. And uh, I always thought about it too, Mike, and, and I don't know, uh, you know. Obviously, it's a part of the job to be looked up to, but I never thought that I was wanted to be a role model, as 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 Michael Jordan said, because you know, like people looking up to me on how I play hockey, but the rest of the life they don't know me, mm -hmm. and I I think um, to me and not in every family, it is possible to have a you know your person to look up to it should be your father or your mother um whatever it is uncle but i you know i truly don't believe that either athletes or celebrities should be a role models because they can be most and most of the times they don't even want to be because people looking up to them and you know um it happens i think to everybody you're um looking up to somebody and going oh my gosh uh, he's so cool or she's so cool and then you meet them in person you're like what is that really you behind the scene i i don't even like you anymore and it's true because we just don't know who those people are we watch them on tv and just because we watch them on tv they think we think that they certain way one way or another you know and that's not a true personality in real life and, and wise advice. I mean, Val, I, I, I get to follow your family on social media. I mean, obviously, Candace is is such a role model. You look at one the way I mean, her fitness uh, that she does. But uh, now she's an author, obviously, the faith that you guys have as a family. And then I see how much your kids look up to you. Um, you are somebody that's not on social media, though. Uh, uh, t tell me about that. Why, why? Like, it's very fun watching Lev and Natasha and Max and Candace on, on social media, but you don't get to see Val anymore. Well, it, it happened. I'll tell you exactly how it happened. It happened about, um, I don't know, when does it start? Seven, eight, ten years ago, maybe, when you know Twitter starting to come in and all of the social network and all of the phones. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about if we together put your phones away, we're going to concentrate on one another. And I, we went for a dinner at some point, and I'm, I'm looking at all of them, and they're all sitting on the phone. And that drove me nuts on a daily basis. So I said, listen, for that reason, just because I'm going nuts, I will never, I'll, I will try to stay away from social media as much as I can. And, and, and I did it because, you know, I, we, we have a lot of different rules, but you know, one of the rules, there's nobody on the phone in, in a car when I'm driving and my kids are with me, they can't be on the phone because, uh, I just don't like it because these days th that's all they do. So, uh, I, you know, to me, this world, and again, call it me old world or whatever, the people or young kids losing ability to have a conversations eye to eye. They losing ability to, you know, look somebody in the eye and shake their hands or, you know, and, and that's important to me. So I want to teach my kids on how to do it. And it's a fight on a daily basis. And obviously, the older they get, they have their own choices and responsibility. But it's like, hey, uh, you know, when we have dinners or we're all together, we're making sure that the phones are put away. Because I think social networking or social media is fantastic. But if it's a part of your uh, daily job, then from 9 to 5, you do that. And you got to be able to turn it off. I know it's difficult. 
but you you got to put away and concentrate on family and you got to concentrate on your friends you know you 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 got to spend time with the family and that's a mike that's a reason why i love wine business so much because besides that i'm making a wine and something that i'm passionate about it the wine really connects people together they they never on their phone they have a glass of wine they have a meal and they laugh they tell in stories they 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 connect they connect and uh, i think social media is fantastic but it's not for me and why do you think wine is that vehicle because i couldn't agree with you more there's nothing cooler than just sitting with a bunch of friends and and opening a bottle of wine and just laughing and talking you know what it's it's a such a vehicle just you know if and like I said, you can be passionate like me or you or and you can be novice, but it's it's a something that has been I think it's a, been built in us to be able to appreciate just like we, you know, break breads and we make a meals. The wine is such a big part of us that, you know, I, I have never seen an angry person drinking wine with us. It's like it's it's always a good time it's always telling the stories it's always laughing and you know uh and uh i i, I think it's just a, just that vehicle and it's you know the, the wine in, in in general meant to be shared and and um it's very rare and i'm well i'll be honest with you very rare when i'll have a glass of wine by myself it's it's just mm-hmm. it just doesn't same taste here. the same yep it's same it's, here you know, even if I even if I open a nice bottle of wine and I sit and I go, oh, delicious. All I can think about it is like I wish somebody was here with me and I'm sharing and talking. And uh, I, I think that's that's kind of what we love about the wine, the flavor profiles, this and this. But, you know, sometimes we will get a bottle of wine, say, in Italy or somewhere else. And then you bring it home. And when you open that bottle of wine, you reliving that moment when you were and memories when you were in that place tasting the wines or visiting Italy or visiting France. And again, it is just a, something that you don't take a picture of, but you've taken the pictures in your brain and kind of, you know, digging into your uh, photo memory and then trying to relive it. But, you know, for us, again, I, I'm, it's a big part of our lifestyle here at Bury uh, House is is having a lunches and this this time together in the last two months has been most amazing time of our lives that we'd be able to cook and laugh and you know yell and scream and do all of the but it's 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 missing that part is missing in the daily life I, I look at my kids you know they're they're great social networking skills sometimes they on the phone for so long and I'm like, look at outside, look at those birds flying, look at the oceans, uh, dolphins swimming. They, they don't see it because they're missing it because they're on the phone. So when I said there's rule, you know, no phones in the car, it's simply they're missing those little opportunities to see the world, to see life. And to me, it's important. It's it is funny uh, that brings me to a question. I, so I asked uh, a lot of uh, hockey fans and wine fans uh, for questions for you. So I have a bunch, but I did get one from uh, a kid named Max uh, that asked um ask him about social media and how my mom and sister try to post them secretly on their accounts. What do you think? Yes, of that? yeah, I, I I heard of this guy. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> well, you, you know what. Uh, Again, I'm a true believer, and it's me. Again, it's it's not for everybody. My my house is my house, and I have to be feel comfortable because what's going on in my house it's it, it shouldn't be anybody's business. I understand people want to know, and I understand that's a part of it. Hey, let me share in this and this because you know uh, when they start taping me at home, I'm go like, guys, come on, you can't be taping me at home. And, and they secretly will have a camera somewhere hidden, like with a phone, and they think that I don't know. And all of a sudden, well, you know, the worst part about it is because I don't know if they post it or not because I don't have a social media. But my mom, she loves following them. So every morning I will talk to my mom, and she's just like, oh, my gosh, what an awesome dance party you guys had yesterday. And I go, I didn't tell you about dance party. What are you talking about it? And she will rat them out 
And I, I know my, my wife and uh, Natasha, my daughter, they got so mad at my mom. I can't believe she ratted you, us out. And I go, well, listen, she loves watching and your updates, but you guys can't post at me. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they do it. But once in a while, I'm, I make an appearance. I guess I made an appearance on Candace's either one of her social network on her birthday. She's like, I said, what do you want for your birthday? And she's like, can you please, for my present, make an appearance on my social network, whatever. I don't know if it was a, you know. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, I'll, I, I can do it. So... It's fine, but like I said, it's, you know, obviously I understand it's a big part of Candace's life and a big part of her business, uh, but uh, same as Natasha, but, you know, I, I, I like to stay away from it. I don't know if I'm missing it, anything in there or not, because again, um, you know, for, for me to sit down, Mike, uh, I mean, you've been to our place, to sit down and look at the valley uh, to look at the beauty and just sit there and marvel, it's to me, it's better than any social networking. I couldn't agree more. Your, your house uh, that you have in St. Helena is one of the most peaceful places I think I've ever been in my life. I mean, you know, just sitting there in front of the window, looking down at the valley or behind your house, sitting outside yeah. and drinking wine. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, I've, I've, I've been there a couple times and it's just, um, it is just, it is, it's amazing being you know, frankly, in nature. Oh, it's 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 just so nice, and you know, we we've been, like I said, with this coronavirus, I, I think uh, we've been fortunate enough to be able to live in the places where, uh, especially in the beginning, where we'll be able to go for hikes and all of that stuff. And it's it's been, I think, it's been great opportunity for us as a family, as 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 a kids. You know, we we'll, we we'll go for a hike and see the places that. Uh, we we'll, we we'll live right next to it and appreciate the beauty and appreciate everything outside and it's just like I said I, I think the technology is wonderful and fantastic and I'm all for it but um, I think sometimes we we taking too much advantage of it and uh, missing an opportunity to enjoy one another and enjoy life and enjoy family uh, you know one of the biggest uh, compliments I get from people and sometimes it surprised me and they're like, oh my gosh, your kids so well-mannered. And I'm like, you don't know my kids. But just because <laughs> they simply, when they meet somebody, they shake their hands and they have a firm grip and they look them in the eye. They, that's it. The, there's nobody doing it anymore. So once they see this, they're like, oh my gosh, your you kids are so well-mannered. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a, such a standard. But these days, I'm, I'm telling you, honest, I'll meet some of my friends' kids, and they they wouldn't even look at me in the eye. They wouldn't even shake my hand. They just kind of like wave and hidden because they don't have opportunity besides their video games. They don't do anything else. They don't socialize. So all the life is done on the social network. And, you know, the, the worst part, and Lev explained to me recently, because, again, I don't understand. He goes, you know what's the worst thing about this is you're looking at the social network, and if you're following somebody, it's always a happy times. Oh, my gosh, look, I'm at the beach. Oh, my gosh, look. Well, it's not real real life, but the people looking at it following you, and, and like Lev said, he goes, you know what, you're looking at somebody always happy and always, and you go, why am I not like that? Why am I not always happy? And I go, well, Lev, because this is not a reality. And, uh, you know, that's that's just another bad thing about uh, the social network because everybody is always trying to put the best foot forward, but the reality is, is life life is not easy. Right, no doubt. And, and actually, one of the most therapeutic things that have happened to me the last couple of months just with us not being uh, with no news going on with with sports, frankly, as I've been on Twitter a lot less, and it, it does it, it just you know you're living life again, and, and also I mean social media could be very very negative, Val, um, as you know. I mean you you know it could be a cesspool of just mean things being said and things like that. So it's been just uh, it's been really good to be on Twitter a lot less. Um, uh, what what do you think after the coronavirus is going to happen in terms of shaking hands? I mean, do you think that we are going to essentially get out of that habit of, of introducing ourselves to people with that firm grip and looking them in the eye? Yeah, you know, it has been such a big part of at least my life for a long time. And I know our president, uh, you know, as he said, he's not into it. And 
all of that stuff, but it, it's it, you know, I'm I I like with my friends not only that we you know shake hands, we also hug. So I I don't know. I mean, I went back and see a couple of my friends recently, and I I looked at them. And I said, "Are you okay?" They're like, "Yeah, I'm okay." Well, then I'm going for a hug. Like, hey, listen, I I don't know. So. Um, I, I guess it's going to be more of like, hey, listen, I respect on what you want me to do. If you want to shake hands, I'll shake hands. I, you know, and then it, it, I, you got to learn. And just like, you know, when you go see a doctor, like, a, you know, doctor always comes in and sees you. But then right after that, he goes and washes his hands and he doesn't touch his face and all of that stuff. So I think we have to be more precautious of that rather than worry about shaking somebody's hand because, Listen, at the end of the day, if you go to the grocery store and somebody's touching the produce and then I touch the produce and you, you're still going to get sick then. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, everybody say, well, Japanese just bow down and that's their culture. And that's fantastic. But, I, you know, I, I can't see, you know, you meeting uh, GM or your coach for the first time and you not really looking him in the eye and shake hands. I, is it possible? Possible. But again, you know, um, the way we've been brought up and as we said in the beginning, the world might change for good or bad and it's going to be a part of that. And so, but I, you know, I really enjoy shaking and give people hugs. Um, Val, uh, you've been very generous with your time. I do just have a couple more questions about uh, wine, if you would, if you'd uh, so uh, delight me here. Um, you know, I remember one of my fondest stories that I wrote in Florida was when Igor Larionov played for the for the Panthers, and I, I uh, he gave me sort of a virtual tour of his wine cellar. Um, how did you fall in love with uh, with wine, and and is your is your wine cellar still as big as it used to be? Well, as, as you can imagine, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because, you know, all of the collections and my wine now. But, you know, I, I fell in love with wine. I got introduced in Montreal when I was playing there by uh, older uh, veterans uh, on the team. They kind of got me. In. And, and again, it, it was done for social reasons is you go out uh, the night before you go out for a nice dinner and you sit down and we have a conversation and they're like hey you know you like a glass of wine I'm like well I don't know I, I you know I don't really know anything I don't drink and they're like well just have a little bit and then little by little they introduced me to the wine world and um, I, I fell in love I fell in love with just because the wine is a living organism it, it keeps changing in the bottle it's it's a process so um, you know, I got a little fridge in Montreal, then a bigger fridge, then I had a, you know, walk-in cellar kind of in Florida, and I just, my collection kind of grows and grows and grows and grows, and then um, I was fortunate enough tr when we traveled to uh, Napa Valley, been introduced to a uh, few of the friends of mine who's actually now uh, my winemaker, you know, 20 years later, and uh you know, my, my my love for the wine and the wine business on a daily basis just getting bigger and stronger. The things that I learned uh, just in the vineyard, and say in the last two weeks, we had a, a, a meeting of, uh, regarding our uh, vineyard, a state vineyard, and the things that we do, I just never heard of it. And... It just continues to evolve. Uh, two weeks from now, I'm going to have to sit down with our winemaker and uh, do the final blend for 2018 vintage. And that's mind-blowing because every year is different and every year is just, you know, different nuances. So a reality is of the wine world, uh, it, it always evolves. It never stays the same. It's always challenging. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, to be able to meet new people all the time and build a new friendships and, you know, it allows me to do that because if, if there's no wine business for me, like, am I going to go walk on the street, walk around and meet people? No, I won't. But he, here it gives me opportunity to meet the people from, you know, from uh, Europe, from all over the United States and Canada and different countries. And we're becoming a friends. I, I have friends now for 10, 15 years. I will never have them if there was not for wine. And it's just, it's just a fantastic opportunity. Like I said, I, I love that lifestyle. I love 
uh, sharing wine and just to live in a healthy lifestyle, you know, exercise in the morning, then go to work and then have a glass of wine at night and with a meal of really, really passionate about it. Yep, absolutely. And Camille, who works for you, is uh, one of the sweetest human beings I've ever met. And uh, and if again, if you want to contact Camille um, at Family Wines, uh, BurreyFamilyWines.com, you can contact her directly uh, to get on the mailing list and purchase wines from from Val and, and Candice and their winery. Um, what has resisted you from from making it a huge, huge thing? I mean, that that to me is the intrigue of what I love about your wine so much is that when I'm, if I'm at a restaurant in Vegas or I've been to a restaurant in Atlanta and there is Beret family wines on the menu, it is such a treat to buy it because you really can't get it too many places. What has resisted you from making it more widely spread? Well, you know what? I always thought, uh, the whole brand has been built on, um, uh, you know, quality and, personal touch and um we kind of dedicated that brand to my great-grandfathers who you know used to make watches and exquisite pieces uh the reason why we haven't grown or we haven't expand because i like to know as much as i can our clients personally i don't want to send the bottle to somebody or case and I, I don't even know them because to me I, I, most of our clients Mike they, they have my cell phone number they will text me on a daily basis it's it's a fun thing daily basis I get a text hey look at what we're doing and we'll look what we're drinking and and it's a connections like I said we uh, when I met with Camille three years ago we sat down and I said Camille what I want to do I want to close the gap between me and our clients i want to know them personally more because that's how i i don't want to somebody walk in like and buy three bottles of wine and i never hear from them again i want them to become part of my family they become a part of a brand for many years uh they know the quality is, is exceptional they know everything about the wine but um I, I, I'm building a relationship. So if I start producing 5,000 cases of wine, I'm going to lose that touch. I'm going to lose that, you know, when the people come in and taste the wine, they coming in, they taste the wine with me. They, they sitting down right next to me. They not sitting down with the, somebody that, you know, third, fourth, fifth down the road, uh, salesperson or whatever it is, which is, listen, it's, it's, it's not a bad way to do a business. It's just not how I want to see our brand. And now, you know, our middle son, Lev, has been working with us uh, for almost a year now. And he's more on the business side of it. And he loves it. And I love it. Now I get the chance to spend the time with them. And people starting to get to know him. And I hopefully, you know, again, I, I, I didn't think he would want to work with me. But hopefully they all jump in that opportunity and we'll work together as a family. And it's a family business. It's a high-end, uh, obviously, wine because it's expensive. But uh, we are be able to close the gap in between us and our clients. And I, to be honest with you, I, I can't even call them our clients because 70% uh, of them are our friends. Yeah. And, and that's how I want it. I don't want to. I don't want to walk in into the store in Atlanta or somewhere and see our bottle of wine sitting on the shelf there. It, it gives me no pleasure. Mm -hmm. I really that's respect why, that. Yeah. Yeah. So people will be like, "Well, but you." I'm like, "Listen, let 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 me let me do my thing, and you guys do your thing." And uh, like I said, you know. Uh, if we do put in the restaurants, why? I, like for example, there's a couple of restaurants in Las Vegas now, uh, Habit or in in the Napa Valley, and it's simply because those guys, the sommeliers, the restaurants, they are friends of mine. Again, they they are connected. They uh, that's somebody that I talk on weekly on a daily basis. It's not just somebody go well taste my wine here, put it on the list. It's it's again, it's a personal connections that you build. Um, and as, as you probably can hear how passionate I, I'm about, uh, you know, connections and families and, you know, friendships and that this is just how it is. So we are for next many years, uh, 
you know, until I'm going to be involved with this brand uh, for a long time, th this is how we're going to be. We, we're going to be building this brand uh, in a tight knit and be able to know most of our friends and clients. That's amazing. And it is amazing. Like last summer, I was christening my new home sitting outside on the patio with a bottle of uh, Sauvignon Blanc from Beret. And I and just like you said, you know, you, your customers are your friends and they text you. I, I texted you a picture of me drinking this. And it, what was so funny about it is I accidentally texted Lev because I didn't know that you guys switch phone numbers. So yeah. <laughs> there is, I, te I texted Lev this and then Lev writes that. back. Yeah, Lev like introduces himself, and I'm just like amazed, and I'm talking to Lev Bure, who I knew at two years old, now working for his dad in the wine business. It was just one; it showed me how long I've been doing this, but two, how long I've known you. Yeah, no, it's 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 true, and you you know, like I said, the, those are the the pictures that we, gives us a pleasure when the people like you know you sitting and you're it's it's a special day for you and you're christening your home and you're sitting with a bottle and you choose to drink a bottle not any bottle you choose to drink Burry family wine sauvignon blanc that means a lot to me and you would be able to share that with me and i go wow th that is awesome so that's a pinnacle of of my business that's what i get a pleasure out of it uh to see people doing that yeah, definitely uh, go online and 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 uh, get on that mailing list and and get some Beret family wines. Uh, it's such a gorgeous logo too. It's it's the Russian imperial seal that your great grandfather used to put on the watches that he used to make for the Russian czars and things like that. It is just it's unreal. Uh, Camille did tell me that you have a uh, a Cab Franc coming out here in uh, next year. Yeah, uh, we're super super excited about that. So it's uh, one of the famous vineyards in Napa Valley. Um, it's called a Tukalon Vineyard. So um, it's right next to Mondavi. So Mondavi and uh, Mr. Backstoffer, they share in the vineyard. Um, and then right across of that, it's uh, actually Tukalon was original Opus One vineyard. And uh, we are be able to get, we've been always getting the Cap Franc from that vineyard from uh, 2007, but in 2018, we're be able to um, sign a contract for uh, multiple years and get a more fruit. So this is what I'm going to be doing uh, a week and a half, two weeks from now, we'll be able to uh, blend Cap Franc. So we're going to be releasing in September, uh, took a lot Cap Franc, and it's just you know, I'm salivating and thinking about the quality of this wine, just talking to you. Um, and, and and it's hard to do. People always go like, well, what's what's most exciting? Well, I said the hardest part about it is, and especially when you do put that blend and you already, already it's already exists. And to tell you, but can't let you try it, it's, it drives me nuts because this is the funnest part about it for you to try it and go, oh my gosh. And, um, that's that's the hardest part, but it's most exciting knowing what is coming. What is, you know, 2019 is already in the barrel and how it is. And but 2018 is is, is going to be a, you know, phenomenal vintage uh, for us. So we we're going to be releasing um, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from Beckstoffer Tokalon and Cabernet Franc from Beckstoffer Tokalon in uh, September. That's amazing. Um, but again, again. Mike, but again, it's 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 only going to be seventy five cases of Cap Franc. Wow! Do you see what I mean? So yeah. it's like talking about it, like people are like, well, well, you know, if 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 you're not on the list, you, why, you know, I don't have a time to give it to somebody else. So we were fortunate enough, but it's not a, a lot of wine. Yeah, I'll tell you what. When I get off this uh, podcast, I'm going to crack open that two thousand nine thirteen. Uh, 13, by the way, is Val's number that he played in uh, the NHL. So that was, uh, <laughs> but I, I got and my it. birthday. And my birthday is June yep, 13th. Exactly. You're one day old, uh, younger than me. That's always been my claim to I fame. Know. As I tell people <laughs> that Val Burry is one day younger than me. Um, Val, let me ask you one one uh, uh, hockey question that actually uh, Cam Maxwell uh, sent me and says, you know, and you you probably won't know this player, but uh, the Wild have a pro top top prospect coming from Russia um, named Kirill Kaprizov. Um, you know, he, he actually plays. 
is for the Red Army team that your uh, that your brother Pavel is actually an advisor for on the supervisory board. But um, he basically asks, like, you know, as, as a former five foot ten Russian hockey player like Kaprasov, do you have any advice? For a, a kid like Kaprasov, who's only been to North America once, barely knows English, and is all of a sudden going to be coming here at age 23 to play uh, in the NHL. You know what? I mean, I'm looking at the, you know, I'm a big fan of where the league obviously went in the last few years. It's fast. It's exciting to watch. Um, you know, the, the advice that I would give to the Russian player, not just to, to the, any player, but to Russian player, you know, it's it, most importantly, I guess, for him, not only uh, for hockey, but in life to make sure that he knows English. That's, mm -hmm. that's number one, because it will makes the, you know, life in hockey and off hockey is a lot easier, you know, but uh, it's a big step too. It's a, it's a different, uh, as we all know, the size of the ice is a, you know, it, it's it's a big difference to go from, you know, European size to NHL size ring. So everything happens. It's a lot faster game, a lot quicker decisions, and he will adjust it no problem. You know, um, everybody's talking about it. You know, you, you just got to work on your speed these days, explosive speed and mm -hmm. uh, thinking a lot quicker. Because if you look at it these days, um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking from the fan point of view is uh, – it's fun to watch. There's not massive amount of hits or fights. It's just, you know, back and forth, a lot of uh, action. And uh, as a fan, I, I absolutely love it. And I think talking to uh, players who play in these days, uh, they, they said, hey, the number one thing is you, you, you have to be extremely agile and fast. Yeah. Do you still play, by the way? I come out once in a while, uh, you know, two, three years ago, I coach uh, Lev and Max and helped them out. So I was on the ice every day, but to come out and play. And I think now that I'm over 45, I'll be able to go and play with my brother and in, in his league. So I'll play a little bit more, uh, but uh, I don't get out as, as often. So um, not because I don't want to, but it's just, you know. Life gets in the way. Yeah, no doubt. Um, by the way, is your is, how, what did Max think of playing in Minnesota last year, and and is he going to come back? Oh my gosh, it's the best experience ever. Uh, I, you know, the organization. It's you know, it's a Christian organization. It was a second year that they've been around, and uh, I, you know, I don't think if it, it, is is there a better organization. In United States, the, I don't I, for a ju, uh, not for juniors, but for either prep school or AAA hockey. They Mike, they on the ice three hours a day. Practice in the morning, school practice in the afternoon. They play. They were planning to play around seventy games. The coaches are amazing. The organization is amazing. Who else does that much ice? Nobody. There's no one. So he loved it from you know his. Uh, you know, spiritual growth to how he grew as a um, athlete, and you know, Alexandria is a little town, and I'm like, <laughs> I, is he gonna like it or not? He loved it. I mean, he was lucky enough to have a wonderful billet family, uh, you know, that he loved, and he's going back there for one more year, and he's, you know, he's he's struggling not to be on the ice right now like everybody else he's just yeah. like oh my god i miss it so much and uh it's just a part of uh you know uh hockey player and an athlete but uh he he's more than excited to go back that's awesome yeah he plays for a uh, north star christian academy which is in the uh north american premier hockey league and uh yeah i sent max a message after he got here just telling him how much he's going to love minnesota and if you ever wanted to come out to a uh, wild practice or game to hit me up so you got to tell him to take advantage of that yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, we were, we were actually, I came out there to spend the day, but it was super quick. We were going to, believe it or not, we were planning to go to a wild game, and we end up just enjoying our dinner way too much. And I'm like, <laughs> Max, it's already second period started, and we're still eating <laughs> dinner. I said, I think we're going to skip the wild game. <laughs> he goes, okay, yeah, I'm getting tired, so... Uh, but we were we were actually gonna uh, give you a call and uh, uh, hopefully get to see you. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know, Val, really do appreciate it. I cannot wait to get back to Napa and go check out, uh, uh, drink some beret, and I can't wait to get a uh, hold of that Cab Franc as well. I'll get in touch with Camille on that. Um, and yeah. you are a saint. Uh, send my best to Candace. And by the way, uh, Candace has a new book out right now, so definitely go on her social media channels. It's called 100 Days of Joy and Strength, and uh, I would definitely Oh, my go. gosh. I didn't even know. <laughs> see that you got to follow her on social media and you know yes, that yeah, i don't yeah exactly oh my gosh yeah you I definitely have to do it it's, it's true though sometimes people know more about what my wife does than i do they're like yeah hey, so candace is in in vancouver or whatever Look, uh she hasn't called me yet but i'm sure yeah if you already saw it you, you uh, do know that she was in fuller house right you do know that, at least. that yes that yes yeah i wanted <laughs> visit her no but it's, it's true because she's got she's so busy and so successful that you know i can't keep up with her and uh but it's a, for a good thing uh like i said thank you for promoting her and uh all of that stuff it was just yeah. uh nice talking to you yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was great getting to know her when uh, when she, when you guys were in Florida. And, you know, as I said, I, I, I sent that article that I wrote on you and Candace in 2003 to your kids. And I told them I'm going to I know I have it somewhere. I'm going to dig out the front page picture that we did a photo shoot at your house in Plantation. And there's a little uh, little two year old Lev, a four year old Natasha and an 11 month old uh, um, Max in that picture. So I'm definitely going to find that and send that to them just so they could see it. That would be awesome. Yeah. So, Val, thanks so much for joining Straight from the Source. And again, uh, we've introduced the comment section for each podcast episode on the Athletic app. So make sure you say hello and let us know how we're doing. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to Straight from the Source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, which is theathletic.com slash straight from the source, you'll get 40% off your subscription. Thanks, Val. Thanks, Mike.